You're now watching and listening to the Saturday Morning Industry Shop Talk brought to you by the Black Filmmakers Lounge. I'm your main man host, Michael Melvin, with my co-hosts, Louis Duvall and Floyd Marshall. <laughs> hey, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> and today's topic on the Saturday Morning Talk Shop is finding your niche and market. Amongst Shoot. other things, we still are producing. We like to thank everybody is joining us. Good morning, Octavia. Good morning, morning, uh, Tanya. Good morning. Good morning, Tanya. Everybody who is with us right now, and we're quite sure people be checking in. We got the podcast part rolling, and we got the live session rolling. So, if you ever watch the listen to the podcast, uh, the Black Filmmakers Lounge, come check us out Saturday mornings at the industry, independent industry Saturday morning talk shop. Uh, this is where we just dive into some industry understanding and what we are trying to change. Hey, good morning, Brandon. So we like to welcome everybody. Uh, so like I said today, today's topic. Hello, Nova. Uh, today's topic is niche and hey, market. Nova. Hi, Nova. We, it's a very important that you find your niche and your market. So... Um, once again, I'm Michael Melvin, and with me is Louis Duvall and Floyd, Floyd Marshall. Hi. And the, so what is a niche? Cause some people want to know that probably. What is a niche? People might know it, but there's some kids, some teenagers who've been watching us. So let's talk about what a niche is. Let's open it up for us, my brother. I, I, um, I look at Nietzsche as what are you really good at and what people or what uh, audience enjoys what you do uh, particularly well. So if you do comedy very well, um, then that is your niche. If you can do drama very well and tell the story very well. Um, and you have a market for it, especially if it's the kind of stories that people are looking for. Um, like from now, you know, for me, I, I like slapstick comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoy doing. Um, sometimes it's mindless or just you know off the off the cusp, and uh, or sci-fi spiritual. Um, I think that that's something that uh, I like to corner and be more. Um, uh, uh, be more uh, um, expressive about. Right. Uh, so that's my that's that's my lane that I stay in um, because that's just something that not only that I enjoy, uh, but I think that that's something that I'm 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 comfortable um, showcasing to an audience uh, that that expresses my talent. Mm. So like with the L Duval show, you know that I've created, um, that's more slapstick comedy, but it has a storyline to it. Uh, there is a thread that goes through what um, with what I've presented. So um, I, I just don't like, you know, just random videos that just pop up here and out and everywhere. I actually enjoy stories that even if it is um, something that's comedic, it's still something that you can follow. Like, where is this? Where is this going? So um, that's just for me. I mean, everybody's niche is different. Everyone's perspective and how they want to view their particular talent is different. But that's just for me. Right. 
unemployed. What you got, my brother? You know what? I, I really don't have too much of anything because Lewis basically said it all. It's it's basically, you know, Shut up. Um, next time you lead off. <laughs> it's it's uh, it, it's basically everything that he said. Um, right. It's and, and, you know, it's interesting because oftentimes you, you, you kind of fall into it mistakenly. You know, you, you start off writing you know, different, different things. I'll just take myself, for example. Um, I started off writing a drama and then my next film was kind of like a comedic love story. Mm-hmm. And then the, the uh, next couple of uh, stage plays I wrote ended up being comedic. I wasn't looking for that, but uh, that's what kind of ended up happening. And the reason I found that out is when I'm backstage, I'm listening to the people out in the audience just cracking up and I'm saying, um, I did not intend for this to be a comedy. So sometimes yeah. you kind of fall into your niche. Now, once that happens, what you need to do is you need to cultivate that. Because someone someone asked me the other day, well, you know, how do you know what your niche is? And and my response was, what have you had the most success with, with people? What is it that when you put out certain content that they always want to watch? You know, like I said, I put out various things, but certain things hit more than others. If you film something and, you know, you have great success with that and then you follow that up and, you know, with with the same type of uh, scenario, for lack of a better word, that's your niche and that is your niche audience. And one of the things that people um, tend to do is they tend to jump around. You know, there's absolutely nothing wrong. With, with learning how to, you know, and exploring, you know, writing other things. But you should always play to your strengths. You know, you, you, you build up your weaknesses, but you should always play to your strengths. So, you know, for me, that's, that's basically, you know, what, what a niche is. The thing that you have the most success with that resonates with the most people, they're, they're telling you something. Mm-hmm. So when they're telling you something, you really need to, you, you really need to listen. Yeah, for me, when I think of niche, I uh, I think of your genres that you're into. Um, basically, Lewis was talking about earlier, but knowing your genres, knowing if you're a drama person, uh, and there's different types of dramas as subcategories. People have to understand that. From a producer standpoint, it's what you're good at. What you're good at putting out there. When you think of somebody like Tyler Perry, he puts yes. out uh, emotional, dramatic comedies. Um, and sitcoms, because that's a lot of his shows. And then he has the soap operas that he has um, for the evening, you know, on BET and stuff. So that's a right. that's right. his niche. That's his. He knows his market. His market grows with that, and that market has continued to support him um, steadily. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, where Spike Lee talks about social commentary in dramatic ways. Uh, and it could social commentary can come in any form. It could be a romantic film. It could be um, Jungle Fever. It could be More Better Blues, Do the Right Thing. You know, it could be any of those. 
right? They're all different. You know, it's about human relationships, um, community. So that's his niche, right? That's his area. That's what he does. And he's good at it. Uh, Tyler is good at what he does. Then you have um, Antoine Fourcroix, who is a black filmmaker who, you know, has done King Arthur. You know, watching that last night. Right, right. He's done King <laughs> Arthur. He's done yeah. uh, American Gangster. So it, it varies. Um, the different niches, the different market varies. And you got to know your audience, mm-hmm. right? And what a lot of people don't think about is what's my audience? It's like I, I, we all saw it. We, you know, there's a video out there um, talking about black filmmakers aren't intelligent or can't comprehend. Mm-hmm. We can't write good stories and stuff because we keep writing the same old, same old. Um, and it's not about that. It, it's it's mm-hmm. about what are you good at writing? You don't throw somebody. Right to explore, you think about it. I've never seen, Martin Scorsese is not making a Marvel or a DC film. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's not, he just hasn't, right? right? Um, and he that may not be his lane. That may not be his place. So when you're thinking about your niche, your market, what stories are you good at telling? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, are you good at telling family stories? Are you good at um, connecting to the audience to talk about what goes on in society. Maybe I don't, I'm a realist. I like making films that can hit home because they're, my things are about healing, but somebody else may like, I don't want to see that stuff all the time. I want to see some fantasy. I want to see what do black people look like in the future? You know, where's our back to the future? Where's our uh, star Wars, things like that. You know, we, somebody may make that. I remember this is how one of the ways I met Lewis. I was going, I started off doing faith-based films, right? And I had a film where I needed um, special effects, visual effects, where the entities that were demonic were shadows. You know, I remember that. And I called, and, and, uh, somebody, <laughs> I you know, that. and Lewis and I have a friend named Sean, and she was like, yeah, you, you need to... Um, you and Lewis, y'all got so much in common. And we did. We sat on the phone for like, I don't know, four or five hours. Yeah, man. It was a while. And we had mm. the same birthday, everything. <laughs> like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> our, the first movie Weird. that got us into this stuff, really into it, was Empire Strikes Back. We were talking about that. Um, yeah. So it, we had a lot in common. But the, the thing was, I was trying to get these uh, entities to resemble uh, demonic spirits to be shadows inside of people. And I ask questions. I go to, when someone says, hey, there's somebody that's good at doing this or they know what they know how to do it or they can get it done, I, I make that phone call. I won't hesitate, you know. And everybody has a niche. Everybody has something. You're good. Look, we may enjoy certain types of stories because I enjoy a lot of different stories, but we may not make all those different stories because that just may not be our compartment. And and see, in that, you got to know how to market your stuff. Mm-hmm. See, when, you, when you're making a film, I, and I, I'll put this out there. We talked about some films that we've seen on Netflix and stuff, right? And right. We, every time, the first thing we say is, well, we know who this is marketed to. Right. 
You, you know, and because if that's not take, in your conversation, let's take, let's, you don't know what's going let's on. Take, let's take a, a film for example. So, Fall from Grace. Uh huh. Who was that? Who was that meant for? African American Fall from Grace. Right. Dutch. Yeah. Right. And it hit men because yeah. the women were watching it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's gonna go over. It's um. I'll, it's a residual effect. Yeah. I'll take I'll take another movie. It's not popular amongst people, but I'll take it. Coffee and cream. All right, coffee and cream. Coffee and cream. Coffee and cream. I was about to call it something else, but this is a manual <laughs> show. It, we know. We are here for the children. <laughs> <laughs> we know that that film was to the good boys, to the... Um, the Seth Rogen. Yeah, the Seth Rogen type that, of... That genre. People who enjoy those types of films. Um, because of the way it's written, the way it's done, you know that that's what they're going for. And they're aiming for the African-American community that likes those types of films. You see. And they know that, and they know also that there are certain actors that are in that particular uh, piece that they know that they'll have more people come on to support just because of the people that are in it. So if it's a lot of Taraji's camp, she's going to have a flood of you know her followers and her her tribe that she's cultivated to go and check out that movie. Right. Um, uh, with with um, along with the rest of the cast, because there's you know there's some YouTubers that were in there, mm-hmm. um, uh, YouTube influencers. So you know there was a as there was a large presence of of popularity in terms of viewing it, in terms of whether or not if it was a likability. I mean that is that's subjective right. i mean i know i didn't like it but that's that goes with the, that goes with it saying that i i was still able to watch it and i was still you know interested in wanting to see what it was about now was it something that i in particularly enjoy thinking that that's my my groove my niche no um but i i appreciated the fact that someone wanted to go out and try to you know either create content uh, create jobs for us uh, create opportunity for us if that was the if that was their purpose yeah they succeeded but in terms of likability again that's subjective mm-hmm. so uh, I'm kind of curious as to whether or not if the viewers that are watching what do they think about what's what's a film that they've seen that they said yeah this is really not for me I would say yeah I can see why that particular person may like that particular movie you know I'm kind of curious what they would think yeah so yeah you and, uh, and you're on jump on and you know show tell us some questions yeah thank I you would for love joining for, us uh, ahead, Floyd. There's a there's a gentleman in the group, prolific filmmaker. I've been following him for a long time, Zach Forsman. So okay. if uh, if Zach could could actually chime in, because as I said, he's a phenomenal he's a phenomenal filmmaker. Uh, we must be doing something right. We got people like him t- uh, tuning in. So I would I would love to uh, hear his thoughts. But he, um, th- there's this book that I'm reading that I'm almost done um, by Alex Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Rise of the Film Entrepreneur. And uh, he basically talks about niches and niche audiences. And he said something very interesting concerning niches. Uh, and, and Melvin, you touched on it, you know, with genres. There are, if, if you have a niche, okay, let's go to the video that the gentleman put up on YouTube when he said, uh, and I didn't watch too much of it because, you know, I just got sick of him just insulting filmmakers. But he said something very interesting when he said black filmmakers need to stop making love stories. Right. You, you, you could have kind of turned it and said, hey, 
black filmmakers stop making bad love stories. But what you could what you could have also done was you take a love story or you take any kind of story. And Alex Alex Ferrari touches on this in his book. You put a twist on the niche. Mm-hmm. And a perfect example of that is the movie that I saw about a month ago. I think the name of it was Uncourt about the, uh, the go, brother yeah. wanting to be a sommelier. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, that is something that I've never seen done before. You know, you had the dad that owned the barbecue business. Then you had the son that he wanted to follow in his footsteps. But this gentleman wanted to be a sommelier, if I'm saying that right. right. Basically, someone who's, you know, phenomenal at, you know, knowing different types of wine. And it was very well received because it was a black film, mm-hmm. but it was a different. It was something that you really hadn't seen before, you know, because I, actually that was the first time I'd actually seen a film where, you know, someone, you know, of of, of African-American descent wanted to actually go in that direction. You know, right. I didn't even know right. what you called those. I'm like, a black. what the hell is a sommelier? So I, I learned something new. But mm-hmm. see what 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 you could what you could do to kind of put a twist on what you've seen before is to add a twist to something that's recognizable. So then you're like, hmm, that's different. It's the, it's a niche, but it's like a, a niche with with uh, with a twist. Right. What's the name of the book? Someone's asking. T.K. Henderson, she's asking, what's the name of the book? The name of the book is Rise of the Film Trepreneur. I'm, I'm going to have to spell that out. <laughs> but if, if she if she We're going to take a picture of the book and post it on a uh, Black Filmmakers okay. Lounge. We'll do that. We'll, yeah. we'll get a picture and put it up. But, but, but if she Googles Alex Ferrari or... If she goes, he he has a um, he has a couple of groups on on Facebook, um, Indie Film Hustle, Bulletproof Screenwriting. Those are the ones, um, and then it's another one. Protect yourself from predatory uh, dis- distributors, and they're all phenomenal groups. I I really highly recommend that if you're a filmmaker that you join those groups uh, because you could learn a lot. You could learn a lot. And it's all about learning. And, and he's, he's, he's very good at what he does. That's one of my go-tos as far as uh, knowledge is concerned. I, I, you know, I, I listen to him quite a bit. So he's, he's really good. Yeah. And, and in that, I, I think about um, for us, that story is nothing but, and I'm not saying nothing but, but it's a coming right. of age story. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's right. a, it's coming into yourself, which is there are plenty mm-hmm. of movies about coming into who you are and finding who you are. It's what right. you how you wrap it, right? Right. It, it's right. you know, it's like the the different Christmas gifts packages you get. They're different sizes. Mm-hmm. How you wrap it up, and it's still a gift. And we when we tell our stories, we have to think of the wrapping. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to do a Christmas film. Okay. Do I want to do a Christmas film with a romantic film and then a little bit of comedy? Okay. Let mm-hmm. me do that. You know what? Let me do something different. Let me do a romantic film that's animation because mm-hmm. we don't do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's still right. romantic, no. um, which makes it different, uh, unique. Okay. Let me get dive into the kids' films. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, 
We got to start asking ourselves questions. We're not stupid. We can comprehend. We're smart. If you, I don't care what it is you do, and you're intelligent. All right, everybody's intelligent. and Everybody's ignorant in something, mm-hmm. right? And intelligence is right. you know what you know. Ignorance is you don't know something, but you you can learn it. You have the ability right. to. And, if you choose to. Right. If you Absolutely. choose to. And and that's why we're here. That's why we started the Black Filmmakers Lounge to come on here and educate people at various aspects. Um, and when you know your niche and you get good at it, you get better and better. Because if you really think about it, right, I like the best man. Me too. Right? But so when I, I saw Best Man Holiday, oh my goodness. I was like, dang. A phenomenal film. Right? Phenomenal film. So it improved on itself. It still told a story. There were still two good stories and they were what they were. But they, man, that, you know, that, it's hard to watch The Best Man Holiday more than a couple times because you, you can only watch it once a year or twice a year because how it, what happens? <laughs> and it like, you're like, dang, man. You know, and I don't want, if no one's seen it, I want to give that away. <laughs> right. Right. You know, but I'm hopeful everybody has seen both of the, the Best Man and Best Man Holiday series. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if they're doing a third. I heard that there was talks about I think about they are. Third. I think they are. I hope so. And I thought they were but too. I, I hope so. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think it's going to be, I, I didn't hear cinematic release, even though I think it should. I think it was more or less like it's going to be either a platform or a streaming service because it was like at that time when streaming service was just starting. That would drive viewers. Um, Yeah, definitely. See, but think about this. Malcolm Lee makes certain types of films. Mm -hmm. I liked Roll Bounce. I've pretty much liked every film he's made. Mm -hmm. But they're not like, he's Spike Lee's cousin, right? They're cousins. But their styles are different. Spike isn't saying, Malcolm, you need to make what I make. No. <laughs> and, and that's the thing we have to understand as right. filmmakers. One, we make what we make because that's what we enjoy making. That's what we enjoy mm-hmm. creating. But we have to be mindful. The business side is their audience for what we are doing. Right. You know, and so how do did, we reach our so audience? Did, so did the best man pave way for Tyler's Why Did I Get Married series? Because that's a niche. And I actually like the first one. I'm not, I was kind of, you know, kind of like, Hopping and hipping on the second one, mm-hmm. but I, you know, I thought that the first one was like, okay, this is different. This is a different type of approach on how he wanted to talk about marriages within, you know, within our community, or you so, know, or just marriages in general. I think Tyler had, um, if he'd have kept that market going, he would have had a, niche, a great niche because there are not a lot of romantic and marital films in our community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean. Everything and even my wife called me out a couple of times. Why are you film gotta have somebody cheating in it? And I'm like, not all of them are gonna have that, but it happens, right? right? It's not unrealistic, but we do more than cheat. We do more than have financial problems. Lewis and you and I had a conversation about it. People one of the biggest problems in our community in marriage is communications. Right. Yeah, you yeah. Know, you and, about that. yeah. And you wrap a story within that, bam, okay, people get it. But see. You can't just do a marriage movie because oh, I want to make a marriage movie because mm-hmm. people aren't doing it. You do it because that's what's in your heart to do, and you right. want to tell a good story do, through it. Uh, because a lot of people you told uh, people aren't doing this, go do it, and it's like that doesn't make sense for you. You're not good with listen. If you're making horror films and somebody's gonna make a kid film, and you're like, I don't right. know where to start, bro. 
goosebumps. Yeah. So I had them kids freak it out. But you could make goosebumps, you know, if, if you figure that part out. But at the end of the day, if that's not your place, <laughs> you're in, you're going as a businessman. If I'm not going to hire you to direct a film that is not your niche, like you're not right. good at those types of films. If I don't see you doing now, if you're a type of person you want to do everything and you want to be good at every different stuff, but when I really think about it, there's not a lot of directors who just do a bunch of stuff like. What about, as I was thinking, as you were saying this, what about Christopher Nolan? Because he's done... His movies have a particular style to him, from Memento it's to... A the, it's it a has, style. It has a certain style but, and story way. But I don't, but I don't think it's a, it's a... It's a style, but he's jumped in different avenues of his style. So he's done uh, Superhero, of course. Right. And it, he's, done his, he's done his Superhero, which was successful. Uh, but I'll even go before... Well, even... Um, what was the um, 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 with the magician? I forgot the name of that movie. Uh, the Illusionist. He was. Um, it, mm, I forgot. I don't know if it's the Illusionist, but it was with uh, Hugh Jackman. Yeah, I remember and, those. Uh, I'm trying to remember that was. I thought it was the Illusionist, but it, I can't. I don't think I it might be off. Um, no, no, no. It's um, uh, the Prestige. Prestige. There you go. Yeah, the, the Prestige. Prestige, which was a completely different offsetting avenue of. Of storytelling, but it fits his However, style of storytelling. So we could say that his niches, eclectic style, offbeated, not of the same caliber. But then he goes and he makes a war film, right? And that's nowhere near like the Prestige. But we know that we're going to get something of uh, of an of a, either it's going to be an amazing performance or amazing story. Same thing with uh, Interstellar, right? He, but completely he's, different off but, but he's big on effects. Direction. That's the other thing about Nolan. He is big on effects and plot twists. Like those are part of his niche and style. But he can tell different stories. But what's his romantic film? All those are like dramas and action. If you mm -hmm. think about yeah, it, that's his. I think that's what he's more more grooved towards. His <laughs> right. His style of action so, and his style of of uh, you know what you yeah. I agree. I agree. So what 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 my, my question for that would be, what is the recurring theme throughout all of his films, regardless of what type of film it is? Is there a recurring theme? Uh, expect the unexpected with him. There's always some type of twist that you didn't see coming or when you see it coming, you're like, oh, snap. And he likes to leave you going back to examine his work all the time. I don't care what so, movie it is, you have to watch it more than once to catch stuff. Right. So his I films are all different, but in, in, in all actuality, they're all the same. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the twist on the niche because, like I said, you could, you could do something where, regardless of if it's set in a, in a wartime setting or if, if it's set in the, in the prestige, mm -hmm. all of his films have a certain thing that they all do every single time. And one of the things that just a, uh, just a uh, pile on that uh, with, with, with your comment, Floyd, um, I've, I've seen that he's taking something that is so like, I'll, I'll give it for instance, like the new movie tenant that's about to, that's about to come out. Hopefully he, the, the, the theaters will be open, you know, right. so he can make his theatrical release. Uh, but, He's taking something as the idea of time hopping mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
and making it such of a grandiose and such of a, a wide scale type of avenue. But time hopping has been done before. We've, mm-hmm. you, you've had you've had various different incarnations of actors that go from them time hopping from the future back to the past. You know, we've seen that before. But it's things that I know that I've seen before. I've seen magician films before. I've seen, you know, films that make you like scratch your head about things. But he makes it such of a grand, a grandiose type of deal. So when I walk into Tenet, you know, even if I stream it or if I whatever the way that, you know, that one would be able to see this film, I'm going to expect to see that. I know that this story leaving, you know, just the the mechanisms on how he weaves the story. Mm -hmm. I'm going to expect that. I know that this is something that I've seen before, but I've never seen it in the scale and how he just overblows that, you know, to to the rafters, because that's that's what I've considered is. His type, his type of style of niche, like when he did, um, uh, when he did um, Interstellar. I mean, um, Inception. You know, the idea of dreams. We've seen there was a film like way I forgot the name. It's like either Dreamscape, Dreamscape with uh, Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid. Yeah, I've seen those types of, of you know those ideas of like what we could do. There was another one with um, uh, what's the other movie with um? I mean, we, all the Freddy Krueger involved, movies. It involved it involved dreams. Uh, she's a singer. Oh man, I'm I'm brain farting bad badly. Um, this, uh, Latina Latina singer. She was a she was a she's a singer. She, and she did this film. Oh, the, Jennifer the, the, Lopez. I thought that was a dream, but it was in prison. Right? Yeah, the guy yeah, was yeah. the guy was a uh, he was I think he was I forgot what they did, but they did something in the same similarity of Dreamscape and <laughs> entered inside of the dream, and they the, the guy imprisoned her in his dream. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the gentleman from uh, Law and Order. Right, right, right. So I've seen these types of ideas before, but when I see Christopher Nolan's joint, I'm like, this is exploded to a a grandiose kind of style. So it's grand scaled in in such a big way. So um, I know that that's, for me, that's what I expect of why I keep coming back to to Uh, his films. Because it's like... Brandon said the movie was called The Sale. Thank you, Brandon. And yes, Brandon brought up movie. Robert Rodriguez because he has his own style too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's the thing. Like, every filmmaker has their style and mm-hmm. their niche, and they they explore it. Now, some filmmakers have more than one niche they can tap into, right? And what we have to do as black filmmakers is think about our niche. And how do we tap into it? And how do we explore other ones when we want to? Not forced to, but when we desire to. Um, what I In that conversation of don't make, stop making romantic films or love films or whatever, was, I would so never stupid. tell you that because I can show you white people keep making them, Asians make it, Bollywood, Hollywood, Nollywood, everybody got mm-hmm. a romantic film, drama's drama. We, we like human stories, stories about us. And mm-hmm. romance and love is probably the core of who we are. Now, mm-hmm. we fight for what we love, whether it's our family, our friends. Um, we fight for somebody we want to love. We, you know, we, we, we uh, pursue relationships. Uh, right. We pursue dreams. You know, so there's, there's all types of films that can be made. You, mm-hmm. We have to desire what it is we want. And 
as black filmmakers, we have to think about it. What am, what do I like to do? What do I want? And then explore it. Like explore it with a short film. Okay. Because your short film becomes a feature. Right. So Mike and Mike, we had this conversation about mm -hmm. this gentleman's uh um ideal of not making any more love stories for African Americans not making more love stories. Right. And my thought process was, and I'm not defending him. What I am what I am what I'm looking at it is I'm looking at it from a perspective of, okay, so what makes this individual see that stories that are being portrayed, why we have to stop it? Now, could it be because of the fact that we've seen and it's just being recycled stories? Is it because of the fact that they're bad? What is the purpose behind that? So, you know, Mike, we talked about it. I said, you know, if I was to side with this individual, not that I am, but if I was to side with this individual, my thought process would be, well, let me see a story that's a love story that I've never seen before. Right. Mm -hmm. Let me see something that I've, I've, I've been, uh, you know, wouldn't say not necessarily interested in, but I'm, I'm, I would be, I would be engaged enough to say, because if this is a, you know, a love story that I've, that's uncommon, uh, I would I would be more thrusted to, to to check it out versus to to change the channel. So like for me, I, I think you know Love Jones for me is my that is my bar for love for when it comes to good love stories. Mm. Even it's if it's an African American film or if it's you know mainstream or main audience you know type of films. For me, Love Jones is the bar. So I was saying to Mike, I said you know I've never seen an LGBTQ story. That is non one non individuals like discovering themselves because for Moonlight, someone was discovering their sexuality. They were discovering, you know, who they were. So it was more of like a coming of age. Like, I, I think I like girls, but I really like guys. But this is where, you know, this is what's this is what's going on in my head. And I'm trying mm -hmm. to battle that. I don't want to see that because I think that's been done before. Jump into it. I already know what's good. I already know what this person likes. I already know what this person's, you know, their what their what it is that they, they that they have it because it's presented to me in terms of uh, what their what the orientation is for everybody. Just thrust into giving me what the story is because I've yet to see like what is the battle that they have. You know, what is the type? And I'm quite sure that's just the same as a, as a as any other couple that's out there. But I've yet to see it. And if it's out there, it's not like a mainstream. Like if it is like Lovebirds, or if it is like a Love Jones. You know, it's to me, I haven't yet to see that. So but, perhaps if that's what his perception was, I could be dead wrong. But I, could that be what he's singling? What he's what he's what he's signaling out? Hey, show me something different. And if that's the case, then, you know, I tend to agree because I've, I've seen everything else that's been recycled of. You know, at this point, it's like, what more love stories are you going to tell me? There's going to be a black Bonnie and Clyde. I think we've, you know what I mean? What more are we going to keep seeing? So maybe that's what he was talking about. I don't <laughs> well, know. What do you got well, well, I mean, I mean, if, if we're honest with, with each other and everybody that's watching, there's nothing new under the sun. It's just how you present it. Right. Right. You know, right. I mean, everything's been done before and it'll be it'll be done again. And let's go back to Best Man Holiday. For real, for real, that was a love story. If you think about it, that was a love it's story. The love story because, matches with mixed with Big Chill, right? Friends because come together, you, same you, 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 fire, right. all that. Friends, you have friends, you know, from from college who who actually loved each other and and had each other's back. So it, it just depends on you know how you approach whatever story it is that you're writing. 
Now, if he was saying, like I said, stop making the same type of love story, okay. Because sometimes you'll turn on the movie and you're like, good grief, this again. You right. know, where where's where's the, you know, where's your ideas? You basically watch something and say, Oh, I'm gonna make a movie just like that. So if 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 that was the point that you were trying to get it get across, you 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 did a, a horrible job of it. So like I said, if if you're saying to people, okay, stop making the same thing over and over again. Have, you know, have an original idea. Put your twist on it. I don't have a problem with that. But to simply say, well, stop making love stories. So what's next? Stop making science fiction. Right. Stop making right. fantasy story. Because guess what? You could go on Netflix, Hulu, Tubi, and see science fiction movies that mimic each other all day long. Right. But you don't tell people to stop making movies. And once again, it goes back to make what you know and make what you're good at, but be bold enough to say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to throw a little something, something, something in, in that. So when people are watching it, they're like, Oh, uh, they just did a Christopher Nolan. I didn't expect that. Right. And, 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 right. and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, have some variety in something that we've seen before. And a perfect example, if everybody remembers... I was hoping that you talk about your love and litigation movie. That's what I was... Because that's a, that's a love story. It is a love story, but I, I want to I go to something else. Outside of love stories, if everybody remembers, get shorty. Right. Okay. Okay, my movie, but it was hilarious. Both it of them was were hilarious. Funny. The sequel and a, um, you know, so you, you, get you know, shorty it, and what was the other one? I forgot the, the, be cool, the sequel. Be cool, uh, get shorty. Be, cool, be, cool. be cool. Phenomenal films, and they were about the mob. And you know, if if you just turn it on, and, and you don't read what it's about, if you just turn it on, you're thinking, okay, here's another mob movie. But at the end of the movie, you're cracking up because you had right. no idea <laughs> that it was a freaking mob comedy movie. Right. So they took something that had been done a gazillion times and totally flipped it on his head. I mean, if and I hope I got the right movie, Get Shorty, with uh, Robert De Niro as the mob boss that ends up going to, okay, yeah, that yeah. ends up going to therapy. No, 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 yeah, that's you, Analyze what, This. Which one did, oh, uh, I'm sorry, oh, Analyze This. Get Shorty was good as well. For that one too. Analyze This. Yeah, with, Get with Shorty De Niro. was uh, John Travolta. Yes, good movie. Yeah, but, yeah, I got him mixed up. up. But no, yeah, I'm, sorry. Uh, I'm thinking Danny DeVito. I'm thinking Danny yeah, DeVito. Yeah, see, we're, 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 we're mixing them up. But, you know, but analyze <laughs> this. Whoever sees a mobster going to therapy. And then they put it, turn right. around, put that in the Sopranos. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's, that's where we got to pay attention to those things because it, it is about, like, again, it's about wrapping it up. And if, if, uh, if you don't realize it, you tell your stories in whatever voice. Like, I do marriage and relationship films and stuff. My second one was a musical. You remember? Whatever happened to us. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then you called me on the phone. Right. It was better than your first movie. <laughs> 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 and, and so when you think about it, that's, that's kind of... You play around with different stuff. You try different things. And you know what? It's not guaranteed to take off. Just because you think you know your niche market, it's about, listen, marketing is always also about timing. It's about placement. 
It's about what's going on at the time of society. That's where timing comes in place. But timing could be you release this movie in February mm-hmm. and you should have released it in April. Right. And, and and people don't realize that because you're not studying that business aspect of it is when mm-hmm. is the right time to release this? Um, if I Mother's did Day, a horror film, Day. you know, if yeah. I did a horror film, when's the best time to release it? Commonly, September, October, even mm-hmm. August would be because you start getting into Halloween around that time period. Right. But you could, if you have a niche one like My Valentine, <laughs> a horror film, you can release it on Valentine's Day. Right. Mm-hmm. You right. know, and but you have to understand that aspect of your your product that you're creating. You know, if you got an action film, are you going to go up against Star Wars and Marvel and, and try to come out? In November and May and July? No. Human niche might be somewhere in that middle in between when there's no movie coming out and people go, oh, you got movies like Slight. Which is a very good film. You know, excellent film. But people didn't know. They were like, I thought it was a superhero movie. Not one. Right? (laughs) Right? Because how it was done, how the trailer was done. Right. Right. But they knew what to market to. They knew that they knew how to market it to get the appeal that there was kind of on a superhero S, but it really wasn't. But right. still, I mean, <laughs> it gave that feel. I mean, I thought it was dope. I was like, OK, this is pretty cool. And and that's. But yeah, you know, Uncorked is one of those. My wife and I, we were sitting. This is different. Let's watch it. And we watched mm-hmm. it. We were like, yo, I like this. We're sitting there. That movie was that movie was great. Because that movie. Ahead, was great. I, I love that film, and uh, you know, it, it it was the same, but it was different. And you know, uh, that's what filmmakers. If 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 you're writing, all right, let's just go here. If you're writing the Thug film, what okay. is it with that film that you could switch it up? Mm-hmm. Is is you know, and and just you know, write some different ideas out. You know, uh, let's the the movie all day. I can't remember the name, but it's, it's on all day and night. Yeah, all day, all day and, and night. A day and, and a night. A day and a night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I watched it a couple of days ago, and I really liked it because it was something that you'd seen before, but it was it was different for me simply because of the fact that that was a tortured young man. Mm-hmm. He was a he was a tortured soul. So I'm not going to give the movie away. But if if you watch it, it, it you know what it kind of reminded me of. Now that I think about it, it kind of reminded me of Sugar Hill with Wesley Snipes. Oh, okay, I like mm. that movie. That was one of my you favorite know, movies, right? and, okay. and 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 people didn't really like Sugar Hill because they went into it thinking they were going to see one thing and saw something entirely different. They were hoping so to see So what they did the was Jack they City. took that right, they took that thug gangster black gangster thug film and they totally turned it on its head. That was an amazing film. So when I watched the film on Netflix, I kind of got the same feeling, you know, with with the uh the main character in that film and Wesley Snipes' character in Sugar Hill. Mm. I'm in this life. I feel trapped. I I want to get out, but I don't know how. And circumstances keep making it so I'm here. 
and I have no and I have no idea how to extricate myself from this. Right. So you you just kind of have to put a twist. It's, oh, you know, OK, it's like chicken. We eat chicken every day, all day long. Everybody, <laughs> everybody eats chicken. <laughs> Think about how many different recipes they have for chicken. But at the end of the day, it's still chicken. Right. Mm. But you can cook chicken differently. It's the same way with a film. You can have a mob film and have a guy going to therapy. You just got to switch it up within the niches. It's niches within the niches. And realizes (laughs) why he started to become a mobster. Mm-hmm. And that would be change dope. it. It's like that's that would be dope. the thing is, and this is the other thing about the us as a black filmmakers lounge. It's about sitting among your own, shooting ideas out there, help developing stories, coming together with like minded individuals, and maybe we all work on that film. Maybe we all work on this film, or maybe, and it doesn't have to be everybody in the group. Because it shouldn't be, because that may not be. It's TK was on here. Thank you, TK. Uh, her niche in writing as a screenwriter, there's certain stories she just doesn't do or hasn't done. Now, it doesn't mean one day she won't explore it if, if a good idea comes, but that's her thing. And when you hire her, you know what you're hiring her for. And when you and when you hire this director or this filmmaker or this producer, you know, because when you walk up to somebody, and this is the thing, because one of the comments was distributors, white distributors are not looking for those films. That would be the biggest lie. Because you can go all through Netflix and see a lot of Nollywood romantic movies and other romantic movies and stuff. It depends on the market and who and what you're good at. And who's going to watch it? You just got to know. It, it mm-hmm. just all depends. But do you test the market? Yes, they throw out films out there to test the market, right? And it'll right. flip or right. flop. They mm-hmm. know that. We need to know that. We need mm-hmm. Every movie we make is not going to make us a million dollars. No. And we cannot operate in that thought process like, this is it. This is the greatest movie you ever see. No, you sell it like that. But you got to be honest with yourself in the back of your brain. Like, I if I haven't done the marketing, if I haven't done a marketing plan, how mm-hmm. I'm going to release this, when I'm going to release this, who am I aiming it towards? Like, people don't even, we're, we haven't even dived so deep as to start talking about demographics. Mm-hmm. Right? What are the different mm-hmm. demographics? I mean, demographics is really broken down deep. It's not a, right. oh, because every time I talk to f- new filmmakers, everybody's gonna like this i'm like no they're not no. <laughs> no. don't think like that well i'm gonna get no. anybody who watches marvel movies no and next is i was <laughs> just about to say that because everyone believes that and because we're trained that all marvel movies are sub- are expected to be a billion dollar project and that's not the case like do you right. know how hard it is for a film to reach a billion dollars very very that's, diff- that's extremely difficult it's very difficult but I would much rather, you know, if it's a project that I started with that's $10 million, if I get a project and it's successful in the box office where it's about $300 million, $400 million, that's success for me. It doesn't have to be a billion-dollar film. Mm-hmm. It just needs to resonate. It needs to put butts in the seats. It needs to resonate with folks, and it needs to just be a great story that people enjoy and have a rewatchability factor. Right. But I think we're – I think that certain – and I think that it's – I think it's – I believe that it's it's intentional 
that they train the audience because I've been trained. As soon as a Marvel film drops, I'm there. Right. And, you know, when 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 the Eternals pop drop out, I'm I'm masking up and I'm going because I'm conditioned that way. Because I, I know that I'm going to be expecting either something elaborate or crazy, mm-hmm. or uh, you know, or I'm I'm going to be entertained. Very very rarely am I not entertained. Like Thor one, I was like, all right, and- great. Or 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 or, uh, or Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. I went to it and I'm like, mm, okay, great. But it made a billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, did. and I know those. But, but, it, but and I and I understand and I understand that that's because we're being trained. That's a ten years and, or plus ten years now. But see, the thing with Captain do. Marvel, we discussed this because I always look at the marketing of something. Captain Marvel came at a time where Black Panther dropped, and it was their first billion dollar movie in that sense for a single superhero, right? Right. And it was a black right. superhero on top of that. So then right. you got. Infinity War drops, hits a billion, because now it's riding that wave. And then Mm -hmm. you drop Captain Marvel right in the middle between that and the end game. It's riding that wave. It's a business move. Plus, it was in a woman empowerment movie in a sense, but it also brought Nick Fury back for those in the African American community to go enjoy. So it rode that wave again, still, because it was dealing with two minorities. And, but yeah, Wonder Woman. Wonder but, Woman didn't make a billion now. But Wonder Woman was a much better film, right? Personally, sure. yeah. personally, this sure. is personal. I, I, I agree. Right? I agree. And that's the market aspect about it. Disney doesn't sit back and go, you know, let's just throw this out there. Nah, the, the Disney Sony issue happened because of Sony because of Disney broke a billion. Finally, with a Spider-Man entity. And was like, wait a second. And then they're like, oh, here comes another. Oh, wait a second. And then they now we got to talk a new deal. Right. Because that's the part we have to understand on a business side, marketability. Mm-hmm. And then it's like if if Floyd makes a horror film mm-hmm. and it, it rides and Floyd's like, yo, <laughs> I made a horror film. It's doing good. Brandon make a horror film. Bam, it rides. And then you come in, Lois, and like, let's connect these together. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, heck yeah, we can ride. And it rides that wave. But it could right. also dip. Because it people just, it's like M. Night Shyamalan. You know, my favorite M. Night Shyamalan movie he, is Six People give him, don't give him enough credit, too. He doesn't get enough credit. He doesn't, but then he's also he's a great filmmaker. so major. He's we're, The part about independence, and I love this, is that we're not in the Hollywood um, factory. I always, what I try to get everybody to understand, because they're always talking about filmmaking this, filmmaking that. And I'm like, y'all don't know film history. Hollywood is a factory. Yes, they yeah, always yeah. pumped out factory films. It's from an mm-hmm. assembly line. From the very beginning, they kept doing that. And, and that's, if you pay attention, you had a bunch of Westerns at the time. Because that's what was popular. What's and that's popping. what Hollywood right. was popping out. You had film right. noir. Because that's what was popular. That's what Hollywood popped out. You started have you started with musicals when you had the talkie films because that's where they could only go because their actors' voices weren't there yet. So they brought over the musicals, and they built. You gotta study that history, and then it teaches you the marketing. Then it helps you with your niche. Then it you keep leveling up as you go. But we can never negate the basic understanding of film because it isn't itself a culture and a business. 
and it's not it's not that we're not meant to we don't have to be factory that's the beauty of independent films we can tell different stories in different ways and we can do something new and play around and if it flops it flops but i'll tell i'm a businessman in this mindset well I, you know along with the marketing you you know you don't the the, the thing is along with the marketing mm -hmm. you, you you just need to do a little bit of research you need you need to research. Okay, first and foremost, the first audience that you need to write the film for is yourself, mm. because the worst thing that you want to do is write a film that you think someone else is going to like, and that's the right. only reason that you're writing it. Right. So you, you you need to do it first and foremost for yourself because you know you're you're the first audience member for real for real. But then after that, you 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 kind of have to you know do research on. You know, if, if there are similar films like that out there, independent films, I'm not talking about studio films right. because there's a big difference because they have that entire machine behind them where they can, you know, do advertising and everything. So it, it's not going to look the same as your independent film. Mm -hmm. As a business person who makes films, you know, it, it, it one of the things that you should be doing is researching other independent films within the same type of genre and niche such as yours, you know, to see, you know, how they've done. And, it, it, you know, all it takes is a little research. But, you know, that's that's something as a filmmaker that you should definitely be doing, researching other films within that genre, within that niche to see how they did. If they did well, why? If they didn't do well, why? Focus groups, you know, test runs for your film. Sitting in front of an audience of 10, 20, whatever. Okay, what do you think of this? Give me notes. Give me feedback on, you know, as to what you liked about it, what you didn't like about it, what would you like to see, you know, things like that. It's just not. I, I listened to something the other day, and they, the, the, the filmmaker, he said something so interesting that people think that once the film is done, that's the end. <laughs> right. And he was basically <laughs> saying, that the is beginning. the furthest thing from the <laughs> truth. He said, you are so nowhere to finish line that it ain't funny. There are so many other things that you need to do. And oftentimes, with a lot of filmmakers, mm -hmm. black, white, doesn't matter. They think, okay, film's done. That's it. All I got to do is just throw it out there. And that's the biggest mistake that you could ever make. You're just, you just you make it and then you say, oh, I'm just going to throw it up on such and such. Well, I'm going to have a, a, a screening in the theater, you know, not taking into consideration, you know, what you may want to do with that film in the in the long run. So it's just not about shooting the film and, and, and having it finished. There has to be research done on who you want watching that film yeah no and and that's that's the biggest thing we don't we gotta research constantly mm -hmm. all the time forever learning for every movie you do put out you have mm -hmm. to have research for that particular movie not for oh, i did this movie already i can do this movie no because your market shifts and change you might mm -hmm. lose audiences you might grow an audience then you still got to figure out how do you keep them how do you hold on to them how mm -hmm. do you add on um, to that audience and, and as independent filmmakers our job is a lot harder especially on the marketing side 
because now we have to be creative marketers. And one of the mistakes I think we do make, and this is just me, we rely on the internet too much. Yep. We think that because I posted <laughs> a trailer on YouTube or threw a trailer up on Facebook or threw a trailer on Instagram, that it's going to guarantee me viewers. Mm -hmm. And we can't function like that. What we, mm -hmm. How we should function is I need to market this. If I need to wrap a van and drive through neighborhoods, I need to do that. If I need to create a 30-second commercial and put it on television, I need to do that. If I need to get a publicist and get radio interviews, I need to do that. Um, I cannot just rely on one thing because it's free. Because good marketing is in your budget. Bad marketing is because you think it's free. And then you lose, you don't reach your niche audience. I, I told Lewis, I'll make a movie for 10 grand. If I get 10,000 people, that's $100,000 at 10 bucks. If I turn around and get 20,000 people, that's 200,000. That's more than a movie made. That's good ROI. And at the end of the day, when people want to talk, how did you do it? Well, I know that in all honesty, right? We may have a thousand viewers or people who've seen this podcast in this live, right? In a week. Probably 200, 100 actually watched it all the way through. That's business. Okay? So... If we can get 2,000 people checking it out, then that might be 400 people, 500 people who've actually watched it all the way through. You, we don't, I don't let numbers get to my head. I can have 1,000 views, but who actually watched it in complete right. totality, right? Some people say, right. I watched this movie, I turned it off in the first five minutes, mm -hmm. right? YouTube, if you just watch somebody's YouTube channel thing for two minutes, it's considered a view and it counts for them for their numbers. If it's under that, Same with it doesn't count for them. So right. Same with Netflix, yeah. We have to understand that business aspect of things. And and then so we know, okay, it, it's I will if I send out to ten thousand people, I only might reach a thousand or two thousand people. So I got to get my numbers growing, but I'm fine with that thousand and two thousand people at first mm -hmm. because if those thousand two thousand people spend ten dollars or spend twenty dollars to watch my stuff, and I've only spent ten grand or five grand on it, that's good return on investment. That's good business sense, and that's why I like Ryan Coogler because every movie he's gotten until he got to Black Panther, he had the low budget. From the mm -hmm. Creed for Fruitville, he had under a million for Fruitville. He made over a million, way over a million. Right. You know, right. and that's that's what they're looking for. And he's now they gave him two hundred million, mm -hmm. right? And people are sitting there. Was he slow on Black Panther? No, because no. he now set a bar and he has to maintain it and move up. And we have to think like that. We set a yeah. bar. We got to keep getting better each time. And the only way you get better is you start studying this market, start getting a deeper understanding, and you write good stories. Mm -hmm. But it's not enough to just write and tell a good story. It's how you market it. I can bottom line. There's a I don't know how many Sharknados there are in existence on sci-fi. There's like six or seven, I think. I saw one with a three. It was a three-headed Sharknado. That's, <laughs> that's where did that come from? And I was like, in here like that's, Sharknado, Sharknado six. People right. like this. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but once it's again, 
it's serious, it's a, dude. It's, it's a serious, it's a serious series, man. But it's <laughs> a like, niche. Don't mess with my coach. Don't you mess with my Sharknado. Right. Like, but it, but okay. they found that niche. They found they found a niche for that film and they ran with it. They ran with it. The mar- look, everything about it is cheesy. The marketing's cheesy. Everything's cheesy, but you found a cheesy audience. Right. And it, and it doesn't matter if the audience is cheesy because if the cheesy audience is clicking, that's cheesy money. <laughs> I keep using cheesy. What is the truth? But, the you truth. know, and, and it's the same thing with Tyler. People, you know what? And, 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 and I confess, this was me a couple years ago with him. I'm like, I can't believe he's, a, you know, I'm so tired of this. Why don't he this? Why don't he that? And then I really had to sit down and think about what was my problem with him. And the only real thing that I could come up with was I just didn't like the content that he puts out. And that is fine. But if I'm looking at it from the standpoint of I'm a businessman, that dude's a genius. Exactly. So I don't have to like what he puts out, but I can pattern myself after his business practices. And I, and I use him all the time. Because we were, my wife and I, we were watching uh, one of his shows the other day, and his 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 shows, the dialogue has a certain rhythm. And I was looking at my wife, and I was like, I really can't get into this because I, I just can't get into that, you know, that type of rhythm of his writing. And, and we had a discussion that if you if you watch them one after the other, and and you 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 watch it, you know, every week and everything, your mind gets into a pattern, and you can kind of process it process it but once you get out of that and you go back it's like you have to start all over Mm. he has a particular type of audience that he feeds with that particular type of programming with that particular type of writing with that particular type of storytelling he he targets a certain audience love him or hate him but there is an audience for his product so as a filmmaker, you have to say to yourself, where is my Tyler Perry audience? You know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that type of your tribe. Um, yeah. St- right. That type of stuff that he writes. But where is my Tyler Perry, or- Perry audience? How do I find that audience and how do I um, write to that audience and, and, and satisfy that audience to keep them coming back? Because like it or not. This man has a phenomenal base of loyal watchers, whether you like it or not. And they ain't going anywhere. And he, like he said on um, Black AF, people are like, well, they don't this and they don't that. And Todd was like, I don't care. I don't, well, he didn't say I don't care, but y'all know what he right. right. <laughs> but he said that because, but he said that because people who don't watch his content are complaining. Right. And see, hear, hear what I said. People that are not watching his content are complaining about his content. So if you're not watching my content and you're complaining about my content, I don't care because you're not adding to my numbers. You're not adding to my bottom line. So your complaint is nothing. to me. It's like Charlie Brown's T-shirt on the phone. <laughs> wow, wow, it's wow, it's wow, basically wow, what it wow. is. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> That's hilarious. And, and, and filmmakers <laughs> need to get to that point to understand that whichever niche or whatever genre that you're writing in, you're not going to please everybody. 
So why are you trying to cater to the people that you're not going to please anyway? They ain't your customer. Everybody's not your customer. Tanya that's said that's point. free advertising for Tyler, um, free marketing. And no, you're right, because this right. is, I yeah. posted this like um, over a month ago. I said, mm -hmm. The bad crazy thing people do when they complain about how bad something is, is you mm -hmm. drive attention to the bad material and boosting its audience numbers up and giving them the go money they want. You go see it. It's like right. you spent the money to go see a bad... If you think something's bad and you're... Mm -hmm. I told... This is how I function. If I think something's bad, I don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. I don't. If you ask me about it, I'll tell you. But if I think it's bad, I'm not up here on Facebook. I'm not on Instagram. I can't stand this movie. I tell you what I like. Mm -hmm. First, well, you know what? My rule is I'm gonna just jump in here real quick, uh -huh. and I'm a, I I put it up, and this is why I put it up because I want to learn, right? So if it's and 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 Coffee and Kareem is a movie that I put up. I didn't like it, but what I did was I put it up and I asked the question. If you watched it and you didn't like it, tell me why. And as a writer, if you had the script sitting in front of you, what choices would you have made for that character? Right. Because we had that discussion. And, right. you know, and, and I look at that. I knew who exactly who that audience was as soon as I watched it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, bam, okay, I know who this is for. You know, I liked Good Boys. We right. cracked up about it. I'm sitting there, my wife and I... This movie is funny. Somebody else mm -hmm. not going. Yeah, kids shouldn't talk like that. I'm a teacher. Trust me. Kids talk like that. <laughs> yes, right. they do. And yes, then they do. I had someone tell me, oh, I've been a teacher for so many years. That's classroom management. No, it's not. You listen in the hallways. Kids talk like that. Please, we walk into like Best Buy. It's worse, like, like it's worse than it is now, too. It's right. even worse. But when you were a kid, you said words. You just knew the rules. Don't say it in your parents' house. Right, Don't right, Don't do right, it out right. around adults because it comes back. Right. You didn't want to. That's when we were getting whoopings, too. But at right. the end of the day, we knew, <laughs> but we we explored. We were like, I can cuss like a sailor. It, it felt, mm -hmm. as a second grader, third grader, it felt good to you. Yeah. You know, you're like, yeah. oh, yeah. And you felt mm -hmm. like you were an adult. <laughs> and And that's the thing. We have to be very realistic um, films are truthful. Mm -hmm. You may not. I understand that people want this utopia mindset, and that's the if you that's the movie you make, that's fine, because mm -hmm. there's a market right. for that, right? Mm -hmm. But if you think about it, and this is again niche marketing, right? Hunger Games, mm -hmm. Divergent, mm -hmm. The Giver, yeah, Maze Runner, mm -hmm. yeah, they're all the same genre. And my philosophy on film is really simple. Everybody wants to watch a train wreck. They know what's going to happen most mm -hmm. cases in the end from the beginning. It's what goes on in the middle we're really right. most concerned with. And if something at the end miraculously changes things, like somebody steps out, push their hand out, and stops it, we'll be like, ooh, I didn't see that coming because you knew it was going to mm -hmm. crash. That's what happens that in trains wreck. Or that or that character in the beginning you thought was going to look like this at the end, and then he did something completely twisting, then it's right. like, okay, I didn't see that coming. Exactly. So. And that's mm -hmm. that's what movies are. They're train wrecks. I tell people that all the time. A movie to me is nothing but a train wreck. I'm just watching to see how it plays out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. And if something deep happens, then I'm like, yo, I'll tell all my yeah. yo, you got to watch this. Like, mm -hmm. he turned out to be the bad guy. He killed his own wife. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah. I'm not going to mm-hmm. mention what movie that was. But uh, like that stuff <laughs> happens, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. that's the thing. Every movie has a plot hole. Every movie has some issue in it. They're not perfect. There's money involved. And the reason we make some of the genres we do make is because there is money or involved or not involved. Mm-hmm. We have to be mm-hmm. honest about that. If I can paint my garage green and build a spaceship, which I've talked to Lewis about on plenty of cases, I mm-hmm. will make yep. a sci-fi flick. Bottom line. But we mm-hmm. have to think like that you know i know i function within my budget is it can i just write a romantic film my budget no i can do a thriller i can do a murder mystery shoot i'll be a make a black sherlock holmes Mm -hmm. y'all remember Mm -hmm. encyclopedia brown (laughs) 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 but you know like you see see that right there is, is a perfect example you you just put a twist you just put a twist on something that's been done you know, you you just you just put a twist on something that's been done, and that's that's where more filmmakers need to be. Uh, I put up a post a, couple, uh, a month or so ago, and I just put a box. I just put a picture of a box, and I said, "Too many filmmakers think inside of this. Mm-hmm. You got to start thinking outside the box. You got to start, you know, because Inception." was one of the craziest movies that I have ever seen in my life. I'm still trying to figure that daggone movie out. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure that movie you out. Wake up but, was but, still dreaming. Yeah, but but if you had if you had asked somebody before that was made, hey, could you do something? Could you actually make something like that? People would have been like, well how the heck do they plan on doing it? And look how long it took him to make that film. Right. So you you just have to if you think it's crazy, at least put it down on paper mm. because it might not be as crazy as you think. Cause I'll, I'll give, I'll give what we're doing right now as an example. 20 years ago, this would have been considered crazy. The fact that we are all where we are right now, but we're all sitting here talking. Right. Think about it. 20 years ago, why nobody doing this? Right. You know, I mean, 25 years ago, cell phone, cell phone. Really? <laughs> the James Bond aspect of actually talking on your, or the Star Trek aspect that you can talk on your wrist, on your wristwatch or, you know, something that flips. Right. And now we're doing it. And, and in your car, talking in your car. Right. Or your tar, your car talking to you. Right. <laughs> and sometimes your car, your car get attitude with you. You <laughs> right. know, oh girl, you mean me out? Like, yo, you giving me attitude? You know, right. so the things that were once thought impossible are possible. So if you're sitting there with a script, now, keep in mind your impossibility must stay within your budget. Right. Your right. impossibility must stay within your budget. So right. don't be making something impossible like um, Space Odyssey 2000 and you know you 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 can't you know make a film where you're going to show people having scenes like uh, the last Star Wars. No, you can't do that. You know, there's impossibility, and then it's just straight out. You know, you you know you can't do that, so don't even try to do it. But think outside the box with what you have right now. You know, there's there's absolutely nothing there's absolutely nothing wrong with that I, I have because to like, you know some spirituality okay. to it. And this is how I look at things, all right? Even yeah. business. Um, in the Bible, there was a um, 
story where this woman lost her husband and the debt collectors are going to come and take her kids, right? Mm-hmm. And she approaches the, the prophet and she's like, they're going to take my kids. What do I do? He said, what is it that you have in your house? And I just have jars. That's what she says. And he said, okay, well, get jars, take them to your neighbors, fill them up, keep filling them with oil and sell the oil. Mm-hmm. That's how I look at business. What is it mm-hmm. that you have in your house? I am a key. Like my family members would say, you don't ever pay full price for nothing. I'll find a discount. No. I'll find a coupon. I'll trade something I don't use at all mm-hmm. anymore in. I'll sell stuff. I've been to a pawn shop and sold stuff and bought something. <clears throat> I, I believe in you got to be smart business. But yes. the one thing when I got into this industry as an independent filmmaker is I told myself one rule. I have to own all the equipment because then we had no that one's conversation, in charge. Mike. Huh? We had that conversation yeah. too, Mike. No yeah. one's in charge. I did, and that spawned for the music business. If you own your own mixer, your microphone, your <clears> keyboard, <throat> your computer, everything, you can make music anytime you want. Yep. And it doesn't have to be the best of anything because the way technology is, you don't need the super duper camera that costs $30,000. You do not. <clears throat> But you do need to learn the one that you do have and how to really mm-hmm. use it to the best of your ability. And, and that's Correct. the thing. That's it. That's why we talk about knowing your craft. Because the first thing my cinematographer professor told me, and he's made movies, it's not the camera. It's the user. No. The upper, no. Yeah. So if the you don't upper. know how to shape lighting, and he said, filmmakers study Rembrandt. Most DPs will study Rembrandt and painting and art because they're creating lighting to create the mood, the effect, the emotion. Editors, you got to study editors yep. and how, why they edit the way they edit. The que- it's not, here's the thing. The basic learner needs to know the information. The one that's advanced needs not, now you know what to do. You need to know mm-hmm. why you're doing it. Right. And in finding your niche, why are you making romantic films? Well, I want to tell mm-hmm. a romantic story because I grew up in a household that I didn't see romance. Mm-hmm. And I want to explore what it looks like. And I want to educate other people who haven't seen it on what it looks like. Okay. But if you're like me, I, I explore because that's the first human relationship I saw with my two parents. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we grew up on a Cosby show. And mm-hmm. we would say all the times, dad reminds me of Co- Dr. Hudson, mm-hmm. mom is like, mm-hmm. and we said that, but everybody didn't have that. But it also right. inspired another generation who didn't have that to want it. Different World inspired a lot of African-Americans to go to HBCU. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I would make a lot of films about HBCUs. Why would I mm-hmm. do that? Because I want to inspire us to go to our colleges to support mm-hmm. them. And so, but what do we end at? Drum line and stomp the yard. I think we had two stomp the yards and two drum lines at this point. Yeah, yeah. But should it end there? Nah. Mm-hmm. But if you're good at making that and doing that, mm-hmm. I'm not going to make a sequel to something that's really not that. But if I say, you know what? I'm going to go make this movie for millennials. They, we need a love story. Mm-hmm. You know? Or I'm going to go make um, a social commentary. Like right now, writers, people, Producers, directors, look what's going on in the world right now. Mm -hmm. This is great storytelling right in front of you to touch people's heart and have an impact and to share Mm -hmm. a social conscience that you want to share. 
and change stuff and do a different ending. I don't have to have my characters get killed by cops. Mm -hmm. Right. I want, that's just me though. That's my personal perspective. I want a different ending. And so if I want it, I make it. I'm not going to complain that this person didn't do it. So what? That's their story. I'm going to tell mine. That's how we need to function. And we need to help each other's niche. So if I know mm-hmm. Floyd makes romantic films and I make romantic films, me and Floyd, we got to talk and say, yo, let's put our trailers together and get them on television. Because I know we can pay cheaper price because both of us are putting the money out to do two 30-second trailers as one minute. And we just p- pushed two movies. Right. Right? Let's show them both at the same movie theater. You have it on Friday night, I do Saturday. All right. Or let's do them back to back. One show right, early, one show later. Yeah. Double feature. We we got to, but then we got to market. Okay, but see, our marketing gets cheaper. Why? Because it's coming out of my pocket and it's coming out of Floyd's pocket, but it's marketing two mm-hmm. different films. Now, you know what's interesting as we're sitting here and you, you were talking about what, what's going on right now, you know, a, a story just popped into my head. Now, mm-hmm. now this is free. Whoever wants to write it, you can do whatever you want with it. I don't care. What's going on right now is horrific. It's horrible. But let, let, let's take this story and let's take what's going on right now with people protesting and people rioting. Now, let's say, for instance, someone was out there about to write their usual gangster film. Let's say you had some Crips or Bloods or Rolling 60s, whatever, and they witnessed what happened to, you know, George Floyd on, on television. Right. And they all kind of sat around and they looked at each other and they were, they were like, you know what? Everyone has a, an epiphany, basically. Wow. So this is what we're doing to each other on a daily basis when we should be, you know, lifting each other up as opposed to tearing each other down. And let's say, for instance, that those guys... You know, they already have an organization formed from, from that day forward. They weren't going to be people that actually harmed and took from their community, but that they were going to actually be people that would go within the community to strengthen it, uplift it, show a positive image mm-hmm. of, of, of black men, black relationships. See, that that's the, the usual thug story but it has a twist because you have people that were on one side of the law decide that you know what I I think it's time for us to shift and and become people that young people can look to and want to model themselves after right that's a love story that's a love story for your community that's a love story for your children that's something that, you know, you can make it and, and you can even open it with, with those guys doing something that they know they shouldn't be doing. But where you start does not necessarily have to, you know, be where you end up. And that's what I mean by taking something that's been done and flipping it. You know, it's like um, when Saul becomes Paul. Mm-hmm. Because Saul was on his way. And then he was on the road to Damascus and bow, that light hit him in the face. Mm-hmm. And, and if people don't know the story of, of, of Saul who turns into Paul, go look it up. Because Paul was a hot mess. <laughs> a hot mess. 
But at the end, where he started was not where he ended up. So your story can actually, your, your original story can actually start somewhere. And once again, you can do a Christopher Nolan because that's basically what Saul the Paul was. Saul the Paul was a Christopher Nolan story. Because everybody that knew Saul was like, yo, I know that dude, and yo, you you definitely don't want to mess with him. And then right. you see him a year later, and you're like, I never saw that coming. I right. never saw that that dude would end up being that dude. Right. So that's what I mean by take what you know and what you're writing and, and add some paprika and some garlic salt to it. You know, <laughs> you know, as opposed to just salt and pepper all the time. You know, get some different spices. Get some Mrs. Dash. And, 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 you, know, you know what I'm saying? Get some, get some all spices, some bay leaves, throw that up in there and, and, and mix some it up. Get some so adobo. The, the thing that you see all the time, and that's the thing, there it is. The thing that you see all the time has a different flavor. Mm. Because I'm telling you, uncorked was that for me. Uncorked was something that I've seen before, but the flavor was entirely different. And that's why that movie resonated with so many people. Yep. So many people. Hey, if you guys are just joining us now at the Black Filmmakers Lounge on a Saturday morning industry talk shop, we're talking about niche and market. Finding your niche for your film and your market. And they're two separate things. You know? Uh, so we'd like to thank everybody who is and has been joining us. And um, that's poignant oh, wow. right there. You know, is it, it's still chicken, like Floyd said. It's just spice it up, change the spices. Mm -hmm. It's going to, it's flavored different. And every movie has a different flavor. Once you understand the basic genres, what they are, and then know the subcategories of each genre, and then know how beautifully mesh genres can be. Because you could do a movie like Outlaw with Sean Connery, that's an outer space cop movie chasing down a murderer, right? No one stops you. You could do a love story in outer space. I forgot one would call Between Worlds or something like that, where the two worlds were coming and they could every now and then touch each other and flip and get caught into. It was an interesting story. Like, yo. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it was sci-fi and it was a love story. Um, you can do Event Horizon. Yeah. You could, horror movie. Horror movie. In space. In space. Oh no. What in is it? Terra Planet where no one can hear. Well. Remember, Aliens thing was no one could hear you scream. Mm -hmm. Correct, yeah. You know, but Terra Planet was another one. Um, it felt like they were a dream. It, was, it starred like different actors, and one of them was the girl that played Joni off of uh, Happy Days. And I always remember that as a kid, like that movie jacked me up. The guy lost his arm. I was a little kid. I was like, oh, man. But my, par my parents, my brother's siblings messed me up because I saw Phantasm and stuff. <laughs> I was like, I ain't closer to Joel from Jack. <laughs> yeah, he's like, boy. I was like, nah. <laughs> but that's the thing. And you know what? If you really, I go back to old slasher films because I tell my friend all the time, the first Friday the 13th would actually be a murder mystery movie rather than a horror film today. Mm -hmm. It really would. You just don't see her killing everybody. But there's parody movies. That yeah, are like that. yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I can see that. You know, because they really didn't introduce the actual character that we know to love now until the second Friday the Thirteenth. That's when it really starts to hit, um, where we're starting to see the monster of the film. Um, so yeah, I can see that. 
I can definitely see that. So, same thing with Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For the second one. The first one was more on the same length like the first Friday the 13th. Because it's like, who's killing everybody? Mm-hmm. And you find out it's one that's killing someone in your dreams, which is, to me, I still think it's, you know, that that is a creative person. Right. To, to, to have that kind of, uh, to have that kind of idea of killing people in their dreams. But, you know. Oh, yeah. So, um, I know we've been here for a while. We stay a long time, a little bit. That's not long, long, but this is always great conversation with these fellas talking about um, filmmaking and the industry of. And so before we step out, before we're on our way out, let's leave everybody with a jewel to drop. And we can start with Floyd, if you want to drop a jewel. Uh, My jewel, if you want to call it that, would be to definitely not listen to someone who's telling you not to make a film. Okay. Do not listen to the naysayers. Uh, Never put someone else in charge of your destiny or your outcome. You know, if they're not on board with it, that's fine. You know, you, you wish them well and you keep moving. Never allow anyone to get you sidetracked and to take you off course when it comes to making a film, being a producer, an actor, an actress, whatever it is that, that you're looking to do. Just stay, stay the course, stay on point. And, and frankly, in all honesty, if you do run across someone like that, I'm not saying that you should not be friends with them, but what I'm saying is you should be a friend from a distance because they don't have your best interests in mind. Now, some people are well-intentioned. You know, some people are well-intentioned, like, well, why are you doing this? And maybe you should think, and that's fine. It's nothing wrong with taking advice, but never allow someone else to dictate or dictate your destiny. That, that would be my advice to any filmmaker that, that's looking to do anything on any level. Uh, yeah. Lewis, what you got, my brother? I was thinking it over, and this is kind of what resonated with me. Um, learn how to agree to disagree. Learn how to still have honor, still have dignity, amongst filmmakers, even if they do not agree with what you do or what you say, um, especially if it's a clash, because then you get into a power struggle of whose opinion is better than who, better than the other. Um, learn to agree with disagree, because I, I have a firm belief that if I agree with Floyd and Floyd and I do not agree with Mike, we're still, at the end of the day, still filmmakers. There's still mm-hmm. honor amongst all of us. There's still integrity amongst all of us. There's still an enjoyability factor amongst all of us. It's when I believe that my opinion matters more than Floyd's or more than Mike's is where I start becoming more closed-minded and that I become, as Floyd had mentioned, I become a person inside of the box. Um, and... I had to learn that when I was doing these filmmaker groups to learn how to agree to disagree. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of people that do not know how to exercise that. So that would be my gem. 
um, because that will be something that no matter where you are in the course of your creative aspect, with, within your career aspect, or within your your business-minded aspect, um, if there is a disagreement and there is no honor and then there is no integrity, and you can see that, uh, then you know where your your steps to follow. But if there is integrity, if there is honor, and there is you know some commonality, learn how to agree to disagree. It'll it'll make a big difference. Mm-hmm. That's my gem. So I mean to get deep because you know we can just go back <laughs> and start talking about how Henry Cavill since a. Yeah, so Henry Cavill is starting to return back to as Superman. So you know, you know, you know, you know, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm all pumped about that. that even though he's not making Man of Steel too, but hey, he's going to be back. in the DC films though. That's all I care. Make appearances. I don't care. Be in Shazam. I don't care. Be in Black Adam. I don't care. Just come back. That's all. Thank you, DC. My my simple gem, real simple. Learn as much as you can. Surround yourself with the right people to encourage mm. you and build you up uh, and be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Become thick-skinned enough that you um, are okay if somebody says they don't like because it's not meant for everybody to like. Don't have... Uh, be humble enough that to understand that don't like doesn't mean you're not good or you're not doing it. It's just not, there may not be a connection and humble, humble enough to show, talk to the right people and let them watch your project or let them see a scene and question your own work before everybody else questions it. But also be comfortable with what you're going to put out there regardless of, because there is no perfect film and everybody can have an audience. Just got to market to your audience and know your right audience. Look, if there's a Sharknado and HBO started off with BC Films then and blockbusters would drop once a month when I was a kid, then that should tell you that there's still a place among the stars for everybody to twinkle. Bottom line. I like that. Enough room in the sky. Yep. Great gems, gentlemen. Great room in the sky. So you guys have joined us. We appreciate you. Thank you for joining us. Be back here next Saturday. Uh, (laughs) Saturday morning, talk shop. Share this with your friends. Share it with your family. Tell people what you... Please. Put it out there. Put it on your page. Subscribe. Subscribe. Like and subscribe. Uh. Yeah. Like and subscribe. We got more Uh. stuff coming to you. So Mm -hmm. I'm Michael Melvin. I'm Louis Duvall. Floyd Marshall. And we are the Saturday Morning Talk Shop for the industry of independent filmmaking. Yes, sir. Peace.